0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today as always by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we have a news and notes episode for everybody. Let's chat about all things women's plus soccer. Quick reminder before we get into everything. both for us. In case you haven't heard, we're nominated in the Signal Awards for Best Episode, we could not do it without you, the listener. So thank you all so much for your support. Please, please, please click the link in the episode description or use the QR code on the screen. And please vote for us. It only takes a second. It would really mean so, so much. Best Christmas gift ever? Question <laughs> mark. We're going to kick off the holidays here at A3. So happy Hanukkah to everybody out there. Who are celebrating and uh, who acknowledge the holiday and we've got things like Christmas coming up and then Kwanzaa afterwards, Boxing Day, all (laughs) the good things coming up, New Year's on the horizon. So we're kicking things off. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I love that you mentioned Boxing Day because um fully American over
2: here. But Boxing Day is huge in my life because of the football that you get to watch, the the oh, yeah. soccer that you get to watch. And that was actually like the big topic of conversation over the past couple of days with um, my in-laws and, and their family about where are we going to watch the games? Are we going to go to a soccer bar? Are we going to stay home and watch them? It's like bigger than Christmas and anything like that is Boxing Day and getting to watch these games. Um, But I'm good. I am ready for this final week before the holidays. Um, My birds are doing really well. The Eagles, I'm I'm repping them today because uh, they're just crushing it right now. 13 and 1. Uh, keep cruising. They also play on Christmas Eve, which n- rarely happens for the Eagles. So that's a really big thing for us as well. So I've got Eagles on Christmas Eve. I've got Boxing Day. Um, but I'm, I'm ready for this week to really chat about all this news because you and I haven't talked too much about the, the trade rumors and the free agency rumors that have been flying around right now, especially involving Dabinia. So I want to get into that. But first, how are you? How was your weekend, Sandra? Are you getting ready for the
1: holidays? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think been ready for the holidays. We, we've chatted a little bit about the holidays already. We definitely got our fall girl uh, vibes in there and got that energy going. And now we're fully full throttle into the winter season for sure. Um, I'm also rocking the hat. Really mm-hmm. love this Holly hat. I was like, got to get it. Got to rock it. Perfect for the holiday energy. Um, but I'm excited. I, I love this time of year. It's my favorite uh, one of my favorite times of year of the year, um, outside of the soccer calendar, right? Time with friends, time with family. Um, tamales always, <laughs> always love that. So um I'm excited and, I'm, and I hope everyone else um has a good holiday. And because you know, I know the holidays aren't easy for everybody out there. So if if they're not, I just wanna Say Felices Fiestas to you. And, um, you know, hopefully you find a little bit of R&R rest, rest mm-hmm. and relaxation during this time um, as well. But I think uh, I think you said the magic words there. I think you said the magic word. I think you said Dobinja. I think we gotta. I think we gotta talk about it. Um, let, let's get into some soccer, baby. So let's chat a little bit about some some rumor news. Let's let's just call it a rumor mill that, that's out there right now. We all know heading into this NWSL offseason that Dobinja was on that free agency list in in this offseason here, probably if not the biggest. Mm -hmm. the absolute main target, um, in terms of the talent that is available out there right now in this off season. And we had wondered if there was going to be, um, you know, any type of announcement really before the new year regarding this player and her options, uh, formerly with North Carolina courage has been in the NWSL for, for quite some time now has, um, really nothing left to prove. I know you and I were also, you know, we were chatting about this point in time in the year, how we're already about two weeks out from the new year and how somebody like Davinia hasn't essentially either resigned with the courage or found a different team in the NWSL. So what could that mean? And what does that look like for, for this player? And I think it sort of sounds like, She's a player of a certain caliber that is exploring all options in front of her. And I love that.
2: I agree completely. I mean, she was, for me, the biggest name on the NWSL free agency list, hands down. This is a player that is... In the prime of her career, Brazilian international, she took North Carolina on her back last year. I mean, they end up winning the Challenge Cup. And then throughout the season, she's in contention for the Golden Boot Race when um, her team wasn't really in contention for the playoffs at that point. And she's still racking up goals, going on tears and going on runs about what this North Carolina team could do throughout this season and just imposing a lot of challenges on their opposition. So the smartest thing for a player like Dabinia to do is to explore every single option. Now, uh, you and I have talked about this as well. There are a lot of perks for Dabinia to stay in North Carolina. It's a team she's been with since 2017. Recently, her Brazilian international teammate, Caroline, has signed on with her. And, and that partnership was just flames, fire flames last year to watch those two play together. And I think that it provides a lot of fun for a player like Dabinia to be able to combine with someone that is so like-minded with how you're going to play. And you can just feed off of each other and read one another throughout the game. However, she has the leverage being such an incredible athlete and player to use that to her advantage and maybe get a little bit more money out of her contract because that is definitely something she deserves. Maybe play where she wants to play, be under coaches she wants to be with. There's been a lot of talk about where she could go in this league or in the world of women's football right now because it's a type of player that... um, that when you add Dabinia to your midfield, you're changing the way you're playing, right? You can't just go with a, a typical midfield, um, you have to shift a little bit and lean into what Dabinia can give you. And that means giving her a lot of freedom to roam wherever she wants to go on the pitch, getting into the attack, um, combining, getting goals and and pushing forward, really kind of cramming space up sometimes for your forwards. But that's what a type of player like Dabinia is going to do. So there are definitely teams that maybe would say, hey, we don't need her at this point. Yeah, we'd love to have her, but that makes us have to change a lot of different things tactically with what we're doing, and we we're not ready for that yet. But the one of the biggest rumors right now um, it is Dabinia heading over to England and, and going to play <laughs> in the Women's Super League. Um, Arsenal. There's been a lot of talks about Arsenal oh, interested man. in Davinia. What do you think about that?
1: I think it would be perfect. I uh, l- listen, I you hate to to talk about it in in this aspect in terms of. Arsenal and, and the impact that they felt from recent injury. Um, they already lost Beth Mead to NACL. And most recently uh, Vivian Miedema will chat a little bit more about that, but I think it's the most glaring hole in yeah. um, the roster for, for Arsenal. It's like, where's the attack going to come from? Where's, is, where's is the offensive production going um, going to come from? So I, I, Listen, I, I don't I would imagine that those conversations or those phone calls or those emails or whatever have escalated maybe to a point where they had it, they maybe weren't uh, prior to, you know, losing some some big names like that. Um, but I think at, at this point, if it's if there's not a ton of chatter around um, the courage or maybe a different NWSL side, I would anticipate that the global market is, is wide uh, of an option for, for Dibi- for Dabinia as well. So, I mean, look at this is not, it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be Dabinia's, you know, first time playing in Europe in general, it wouldn't be her first time playing outside of the United States, you know, um, her arrival to, to NWSL, you know, came with experiences in, in Brazil, Norway, um, China briefly so i think we we got to see with her time here in nwsl um we got to witness something very very special um i think this player grew in ways that um you know maybe She didn't anticipate. I think Brazilian, when you think of Brazilian players, you think of, you know, the the general culture of of, of Brazilian football and sort of apply that to those players. You know, like, oh, they could be flashy on the ball sometimes, very technical, you know, a lot of techers with with the balls at their feet. But I think what we saw with somebody like Davinia sort of kind of becoming this really all-around solid, amazing player. And you're talking about including – um, you know, defensive development for this player. Uh, that this was the type of player, a Brazilian player who can you know play on on both sides of the ball here. So to sort of see that development over time um, with her playing in NWSL. and I'll just say it again, what she's achieved during her time, playing in NWSL. We're talking about, you know, an M- an, uh, an MVP finals uh, you know, title, uh, multiple NWSL titles, uh, has racked up goals, has racked up assists. I I don't know and or think that there is anything left to prove for this player in this league. Um and I think you also have to to keep in mind um you know, the career of a certain of of specific players they're looking at the timeline Mm -hmm. and longevity of their careers. And, you know, is this a point in time in the career where she's ready for a new challenge or a new environment or wants to achieve something else, especially going into, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a world cup year for, for Brazil where they're ranked, you know, top 10 and can also be considered contenders. Right. So, um, I think there's a lot of understandable, um, you know, rumor connecting of the dots, you know, between yeah. the Arsenal, between the Binya would be like a great fit, I think, in terms for that roster. But is it going to be a great fit for that player? Uh, there's yeah. all those things that come into mind, too. So I'm a little curious if maybe there's additional recruiting going on, you know, like what the you got to, you know, Norway because she had a teammate there in in, in Rosana and there was chatter about that. And she got to, and she got to, to Norway, you know, is, is, is Rafael going to be part of this recruiting for, for Arsenal? And is, is she going to, you know, ensure that, you know, Making good, good pitch, essentially. Know. You know, to try to get her Brazilian, you know, teammate over there. We'll, we'll see. It's it's right. fun to talk about, for sure. It's
2: so fun to talk about. I mean, some of the the rumored teams, obviously, we've touched on Arsenal and, and the fact that they could really use a scoring threat right now. Um, Manchester United, Barcelona, PSG. These are all teams that have expressed interest in a player like Dibinia, as well as several NWSL teams. But, like, imagine Debinha in Champions League right now, playing with the, the type of competition that Europe has at this point. Um, everyone joining us live on YouTube. I love hearing what you guys have to say. TJ Trek saying that, um, they think that she's going to Europe. We've also, uh, got people saying that she's going to England. Lucy giving a shout out to Dabinia and her contract saying it's time to get paid. If you are Dabinia, I could not agree more. And Barry Schaefer, of course, our, um, our North Carolina Stan, that's always with us. Thanks for joining us, Barry. He thinks she's going to stay with North Carolina courage. I know you would like that Barry. Um, but it, there's a, a lot to kind of keep track of in terms of where she could go everything that's happening and at this point in her career um it, is it is she looking towards the end in, in the sense of like hey where does she want to finish out her career at that point i don't think she's quite there yet right no no i don't think we're at that point i mean she's not on the younger side of things she's 30 31 i believe so this is a player that has also experienced a lot of different things. She has played in Brazil, she's now played in the NWSL, she's played in Norway, she's played in China as well, I believe. So, I think that going to a European team, um perhaps in England, that could be a new exciting challenge for her. I know Arsenal would love to pick her up, but um at this point in the season, like how much more is she going to have to play with them and then the NWSL season starts again. Like there are just so many factors that come into it and then of course the World Cup because this this is a player that um, wants to lift that World Cup trophy at the at the end of August in 2023.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're look a lot of I think a lot of folks are are throwing Arsenal into the the, the loud ring, you right. know, of, of potential landing spots for Dominion because of what they've gone through on the injury side of things. Gunners losing Minima to an ACL saying she announced that she ruptured her ACL. And that's what brought her out of the game against Arsenal during their Champions League matchup on Thursday, December 15th. I think in the moment, you know, watching it happen, too, was just really, really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Just gutted for this player. We're We talk about these athletes and these are people who know their bodies so incredibly well. And you could just sort of see if nothing else in the body language of things in the moment that it probably wasn't going to be good news or at the very least was a painful moment for, for Minima. So um, to see her kind of come out of the game and then have have this update from the player to, to ruptured ACL, it just it was it was tough. And it also just it just it, it was another one. I hate to be that way, but it's like this ongoing list of acl injuries for players globally this isn't just like uh you know continent to continent country to country kind of thing it's it's everywhere like 2022 has had a massive massive um you know collection of players who have been dealing with various ligament injuries acl specifically i i've lost count at this point i know it's got to be over fifty at some point, mm-hmm. like it's it's um yeah it's 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 a lot, and I just there's been a lot of great stuff that's you know been written about it out there. I know Samantha Lewis has has some good mm-hmm. stuff, and um, Sam Mewis actually talked a little bit about yeah. uh, climate change and the impact of that on the game, and uh, you could catch that at the Athletic. Um, so there's a lot of it's it's on the radar, is what I'm saying in terms yeah. of. This possibly even I, being considered like, you know, a little bit of an epidemic cross, across women's pro sports. I know. It's
2: devastating. This is an injury that has unfortunately followed soccer around as one of the sports that um, gets hit with ACLs more than any other sports. And it, it is often females versus males that get hit with this injury as well. And there are so many ACL prevention um, knowledge and education and resources and PT and strengthening that you can do out there. But uh, there, I think there becomes something deeper when you have over 50 notable women's soccer players being hit with this injury, um, all within such a short, short, short amount of time. Um, that's what's crazy between Miedema and, and Mead and then even the United States players. There are so many U.S. internationals that have also been hit with ACL injuries just this year. I mean, theres it's devastating, and it's really heartbreaking for those players because it's not such a simple recovery. We know how long it is. Um, we know how difficult it can be, and that's something that... I'm hoping that the sports psychologist people out there and and sports science people are taking a look at the conditions that these athletes are playing on, whether it's turf, whether it's grass, whether it's hard frozen ground, um, because all of those things play a factor into it, the shoes that the athletes are wearing, whether they're – playing soccer in their their football cleats and their boots that they're putting on or their running shoes. There are just so many factors that come into this. And in order to have these players be at the very top of their game, um, this is something that needs to be taken a deeper look at. And I know there are people out there doing that, but I, it needs to become uh, not 50 people in one year getting hit with this type of injury and, and suffering this. Um, it needs to happen sooner and better with different science or a different look at how these players are training and recovering. And they play a lot of soccer, right? They do. And is that a factor of it? Um, I mean, it's devastating. I've had a handful of knee injuries myself and it sucks. It sucks. I'm (laughs) going to to be very frank. It sucks.
1: Just to put it lightly, right? It sucks. Yeah. It
2: sucks. You're sidelined from... uh, for these players, their career, their job that they're doing right now, their passion. And not only that, but it's impossible to get around when you're you're doing that. And now all of your recovery um, and all of your time and your energy goes into recovering and PT and getting back to being at the top of your games, an impossible task that seems like it's an incredible uphill battle. Um, but it in in a little bit of a transition here one of the players that has suffered an acl katarina macario it has been reported that she is coming back and she's working really hard and she's recovering and she's expected to be back um pretty soon at this point we talk about it in in, towards the end of december but um in in terms of trade and what could happen there this is another rumor sandra i want to throw at you um katarina macario her contract with leon runs through the end of the summer of 2023 there's been some trade rumors that she could be going somewhere
1: else what do you think about this yeah i don't know if i would i don't know if i want to like even humor <laughs> trade rumors it because i mean you preface this perfectly you know in my opinion because it's it's not so much that it's a rumor mill versus just business as usual i mean macario's yeah. contract when she signed and, and made the you know decision to go pro signed with Lyon, and that contract was going to be up in 2023. Um, So, and I think even prior to landing on Lyon, the clubs that were interested even back then were Bayern Munich and Barcelona. So if anything, it's just more of a regurgitation of what happened three years ago. Where's Katarina Macario going? Is it going to be Lyon, Bayern, or or Uh Barcelona? And now that's being repeated now, three years later. Um, And that's fine, because you know what? The contract is almost up, so we should talk about that a little bit. Um, World Cup, right? Big year. Um, Katerina Macario, a player who has been a part of U.S. Women's National Team camps and rosters for quite some time now. Um, a player that they are clearly, uh, you know, invested in and with uh, in terms of, you know, being a, an integral part of the team. And yeah, tying this with the ACL uh, news and injuries, mm-hmm. we we've chatted a little bit about this as you know when it first happened in in June. And I think one of the things that has happened any time over the course of twenty twenty two, when we have had to find ourselves chatting about player injury, we've also had to chat about it in the sense of the time, the potential timeline of things. And I think at this point in time, when we're talking about big injuries to players like other big players like a Beth Mead or a Viv Mitema, like we're looking at that world cup in front of them. Yeah. And that essentially puts things in jeopardy because of the timeline of things. And then when we maybe look at somebody like a Katarina Macario, I think it also depends on the level of ACL injury. Is it a partial tear, a full tear? You know, we're talking about ruptured ACLs, my goodness. Um, this this injury occurred for her in in June of 2022. So this timeline of, of her of us potentially seeing her back in the mix for um, the She Believes Cup or, or yeah. host She Believes Cup even I think is very promising for the U.S. Women's National Team, and I think it could also be very promising for the direction in which she wants to take her career. Um, I think a player like like Kat Macario is at, at this point we're talking about two different um players right we're talking about a and where she wants to take that that next step of her career as someone who's sort of in her prime yeah and then versus somebody like cad macario who is probably still developing and and, and but also equal like nearly equally as talented right so we're just like where where could she go does she want to come back um Stateside. I mean, we're talking about an oh. league that has continued to grow in NWSL. There's not one but two California sides now, um, you know, and it's not just your pick of 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 10 teams, you know, who who could potentially want to add you to the mix, but but 12. So I would imagine that because of her injury right now, I would imagine that because of the World Cup in, in front of her, um, you know, she's going to take a look at everything and in, in, in terms of all the options that are that are out there. Um, but you know, the you, Leon group, they're, they're going through a transition themselves. They're, they're going to have okay. new ownership. Um, that was, you know, a, a, bit of news that, you know, if you're, if you're talking about a club that has, you know, frequently invested in its, its woman's, uh, it's woman's side, you know, Jean-Michel Ellis has basically said that there's going, there's been a switch in ownership. They're going to transition. Um, he's going to stay on for at least three years as president, you know, to kind of keep his his term going on and and to to probably aid in the transition of things. So what is that going to mean for things like a negotiating period or anything like that? I would imagine that that stalls things as well. So um we'll see. We'll see if yeah. this is just like like I said like it's a little bit of back to the future like yeah. we were first talking about Macario going pro was it going to be Leon was it going to be Byron was it going to be Barcelona and like here we are again three years later same conversation. <laughs> Keep it going. Yeah, no, I would love to see it. Do you and, want and it to see her land? Or do you want to see her land? I mean, this is
2: a type of player that I like. This is a, maybe a cop out answer. I just want to see her play again. I miss yeah. watching her play. Yeah. Right, like I do. Um, I think it would. I think that her time at Lyon has been tremendous for her as a player and as an oh, athlete. Really, She won a Champions league. <laughs> I mean, completely. And I think the growth of her personal game was elevated being there. Now uh, what's to say that that wouldn't have happened anywhere she went, but I do think that um, the type of athletes that she was competing alongside and playing against and, and winning a champions league, that type of experience just gives you a different perspective yeah. on the game and on professionalism and how to be a professional athlete. Um, Um, I think that it would be really cool to see her go somewhere like Barcelona, right? Like that would be fantastic for her. I think that she could also help out a team like Barca um, pretty in-depthly. And as you head into this World Cup year, this is a player that wants to be on the World Cup roster for the United States. I don't think that she's coming back to the NWSL or like coming to the NWSL. I think she stays in Europe for the time being, just with how her development of the game has gone so far. I think it would be um, beneficial for her to stay there. So I I think I want to see her go to Barcelona, but I, who knows?
1: I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, that, Listen, listen, I, I would love to see it, but I'm also like we're we're talking about um, we're like we're weaving in ACL chatter within some of this this rumor mill stuff. But I mean, that's a team that's also (laughs) been dealing with injury. You know, know. that has has been out and sideline with an ACL injury missed out on the Euros because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, My goodness, Carolyn Graham Hansen has been dealing with with injury as well. So it's like if you if they were even to get somebody like a a like McCarthy, like how does she fit in with, you know, the the caliber of talent on that team? Like whose spot is she is he essentially taking? It's 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 definitely um piqued a lot of curiosity, my my own included. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I know there's a lot of folks that wanna see, you know, would love to see her play in nwsl but i'm with you i, mean, I don't know if that's necessarily i going would to too be-
2: i would love to see her playing like yeah like, like, come on see her in person all the time sandra i would get to call games where kat's playing but i just don't think that's happening at this point i don't think she's coming back to the nwsl I don't, I think she's saying well, she's
1: never been here. So i know, no. I'm sorry. Not coming back. I don't think yeah. she's
2: coming to the NWSL. That's the other think,
1: thing well, yeah, like, no, let's, that's the other side of it too. It's like, you know, I think, I think folks are wondering like, well, like, is this, is this not going to be a spot for her for even in, you know, the future of her, her career. It'll be interesting to see, you know, I mean, she's Leon also is, is home to, to Lindsay Horan right now at the moment, her contract is going to be through at, at a oh. certain point um, has a, a contract in place with Thorns for if she does, you know, whenever she does return, I believe it's 2025. So listen, there's, um, there's a there's a lot to keep an eye on in terms of Leon and, and Americans who are who are overseas. So, um, you know, we'll see how, how that pans out. I, I would anticipate that the chatter around that will probably get louder as that deadline, that timeline for Macario's contract gets closer and closer and closer. Um, so and, and
2: also how her recovery does. Right. Like, I think we'll find out a bit more Um especially from Black Manonofsky because people are always asking him in terms of like U.S. soccer how her recovery is doing. That's how we found out where she is on her recovery journey and that she should be back on the field by the end of February. So January camps are coming up. There's uh, the January camp where the U.S. will be in New Zealand. Um, I I doubt she'll be on that roster just based on her recovery, but I think that will be an opportunity maybe where we hear – Her timeline to recovery. And I think that also plays a factor in some teams that are looking at her, right? Like, how about this?
1: Let's pivot a little (laughs) bit. What if Katarina Macario had even more teams and more markets to take a look at in NWSL? Would that entice a player (laughs) of her caliber? Because that's some news that we got to talk about. Talk about a transition. (laughs) Snaps, baby. Look, NWSL expansion in the news. It's been narrowed down to three teams reporting out of Sportico saying that the three cities for final contention alongside the return of a franchise in Utah are Tampa, Boston, and the San Francisco, a.k.a. Bay Area for NWSL expansion, reporting that the highest initial bid is over $40 million Uh, once upon a time, we'll say pre-COVID, uh, you know franchises and nwsl two to five million uh price tags in terms of expansion fees right um so we'll we'll see it's exciting I think the the reporting has, has been out there shout out to uh Jeff kasoff has has uh, been on the the Utah Royals uh news for quite some time and and I think mm-hmm. with with we're looking at 2024 um People could say, yes, we know that one of the potential two teams is going to be the Utah Royals. But who could possibly be this second expansion franchise coming into the league? And a lot of excitement, I think, for folks who have been here a little while, like myself included. I got really excited to see that uh, Boston was in the mix for this yeah. one. What was yeah. your reaction when you saw all this?
2: Um, I was a little surprised at Tampa being in in the mix for this. Um, It had been reported by NWSL Commissioner Jessica Berman. This was at the NWSL Championship at the end of October that there were um, so many teams and so many cities that were interested in, in joining the NWSL and being one of those expansion sides. But very quickly, you can rule out a lot of different cities based on much they've already gathered the investors that are interested if the facilities are in place if they have a plan for a facility uh, because all of those things need to be set in stone already before the league can say yes we accept you at this point so the fact that utah is is coming back into the nwsl that's fantastic because they've had a team there before they understand we'll kind of see how it rolls out this time around um, that they can be there a little bit longer The Bay Area in San Francisco, we've heard a lot of chatter about former players, former professionals, former U.S. internationals that have their hand in the Bay Area team and and getting an NWSL team there. There has been a lot of publicity and chatter about that. So not at all surprised to see San Francisco on this final three list. Boston is a city that had a team, the breakers um, that were there. They ended up folding uh, or relocating right to North Carolina. No, no, no. They just folded. That was the Boston team that just folded. Yep. Um, so I'm not so surprised that Boston is back on the table because, frankly, there are not a lot of teams in the Northeast. There's Gotham in New Jersey, New York, and then Washington DC. and that's kind of the extent of it. So putting one above New York to hit those uh, northeastern cities and and states, I think is a good idea. but Tampa was the one for me that was a little bit out of left field.
1: Was that the combo breaker you were like, hold on a second.
2: I was like where where did Tampa come from? I just don't I just don't foresee it happening, right? I, I foresee. Yeah. Um, I mean between these three I think it's going to San Francisco and I this is just Lisa Roman taking a guess at this um, but I imagine that Boston is still in that conversation I don't know enough about Tampa to know who's involved yeah. who are the investors where are they going to put this um is there a fan base there that wants this because we know Orlando is in the center of the state so kind of how is this going to balance out California is a much bigger state to have two teams than Florida which is not
1: as big well as I mean, we, we look if we're just going off of recency um we had two california expansion sides in 2022 and they were quite successful i think mm-hmm. you we saw a san diego wave FC side um make it all the way to the semi-finals uh pretty much stay within the top three of the table throughout their entire inaugural season um We saw them pivot from a collegiate stadium to a much bigger (laughs) collegiate stadium and Snapdragon, different, better facility than, and then in terms of Mm -hmm. which they got their start. Then we saw similarly with Angel City. Um, They remained in playoff contention, but fell just short. Um, also had to deal with some injuries along the way. Um, but from Challenge Cup to the regular season, um, watching that team play their games at, you know, Bank of California Stadium and, and not just any in plain old regular soccer environment. We're talking about a bunch of sellouts yeah. throughout the regular season. We're talking about, you know, thousands of season ticket holders. Um, the success for uh, a, an NW, NWSL team, in California, the bar has been set quite high.
2: I agree. So
1: um, I'm with you in that we've seen success out of NWSL sides in California within one year, and then we've got uh Orlando franchise in Florida that has been a very, very mixed bag of results. You know, I think um, one playoff appearance, right, yeah. for, for Orlando Pride, I think, since their expansion into the league in, in 2016. Um and who knows, maybe this will be the moment of a little bit of a, of a reset button for them now that they've, you know, made the official hiring of, of Sev Hines as, as head coach. Um, we haven't seen or heard too much in terms of the off season signings for them in terms of that of a big, you know, marquee type of player. I know Marta is, you know, still sort of, you know, on the roster and this is mm-hmm. a big, you know, experienced player. Um they've announced some re-signings like uh, you know Erica Timrak, Carrie Lawrence. We've talked about that, you know, Viviana Velacorta. Corta. These are young players that they maybe want to continue to build around. Um, so to sort of have that as the example, then I'm with you in, in terms of seeing a, a Tampa yeah. franchise potentially come in. And I believe for, for Tampa, the Tampa Bay's ownership group is, is involved in right. that as well, which is ve- I'm very curious about that as well because. I remember not too long ago their MLB franchise kind of being in flux as well. I think they made a pitch at one point to MLB to be like the first dual market team. Like they wanted to have like some of their games in Tampa Bay and some of them in Montreal, Canada. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so what, like, is that the energy that they're bringing to NWSL? Um, I don't know if that's the energy that they're bringing, but I think it's going to come down to the money, mm-hmm. the investorship, the resources, what that looks like. I think, I mean, that's, forward, that's what it's
2: going to come down to any of these three cities, right? Like, if they actually have the money to back and support this and that they can provide a vital vital pitch to the league that they will aim to have success in the first league in the first I, year.
1: I think with, I think that's um, people's, I think that the other question marks, I think when people saw markets like, like the Bay area or, or Boston, like what does that look like? Where are these teams going to play if they end up winning the bid? Um, but it's exciting to have narrowed down the field. I mean, we've been talking about expansion for for quite some time now and to go from hundreds and hundreds of applicants to narrowing it down to, you know, a dozen or 10 or so, which we heard, um, you know, commissioner Berman during the NWL championship final saying that that was the next phase that they wanted to narrow down all of those, um, all of those bidders and now reporting that it's down to to three teams. So probably sooner rather than later, we'll know who that second expansion team is going to be in 2024.
2: I'm thinking that we'll find out pretty soon how crazy to think that in 2021 there was zero teams in California, and by 2024 we could potentially have three. Uh, but like you said, San Diego and, and L.A., they had really good first seasons in the league, and, and they had fans show up, they broke records, um, and they're only, what, two and a half hours apart driving distance, and if if the Bay Area were to get the bid win the bid for an nwsl team that's like what 6 7 hours north like that's it's a whole different state if you're living in the northeast over here <laughs> you have to uh,
1: i will be curious to see if 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 it's the bay area what a sort of trifecta type of rivalry oh, <laughs> will yeah. be named or what it'll be called. Um interesting. We'll we'll keep an eye on it for sure. We've been talking and about it forever. We've had multiple Bay Area connections on the show. We've had, you know, Brandy Chastain, Ellie Wagner, Daniel Slayton on the show. Uh we'll we'll see. It's an exciting time in the offseason for sure. And, sort of and then of we get the to
2: show. we get to see new crests, new colors, new yep. kits. Like that's also fun. I, we're not there yet. I'm getting ahead of myself.
1: Look, it's exciting to talk about it's, it's good things to, to get, to get happy over. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's chat a little bit before we take a break about some other things that, uh That came on the radar in terms of contract news, again, free agency, perhaps sitting a little bit of a dry spell uh, due to the fact that the holiday season is upon us, but there's been some re-signings. Haley Mace and Kansas City Current uh, announcing a new contract, uh, re-signed for for three years. Ellie Prysock re-signed with Houston Dash. I thought that was very, very big for the Dash. I really like the pairing of Prysock and Katie Naughton. And I think it's going to continue to be helpful for them moving forward. Sort of have that, though that that dual position um, solidified. And Amber Brooks, a one year deal with the Spirit. That is the bit of the free agency news. Brooks, a longtime veteran of the league, um, listed amongst all those free agents uh, this year, and uh, will be with the Spirit on a one year deal. And something else we'll have to keep an eye on moving forward is Houston Dash announcing that they're going to reveal their head coach. So that's coming down the pipeline this week as well. So we'll have to keep an eye on that.
2: Yeah, lots of re-signings, and, and that's kind of the name of the game the last couple of weeks, and even, I think, until uh, the new year that we'll see. Um, I don't think anything too crazy will drop except, hopefully, Houston, new head coach, because that's a team that that really needs to lock one up, especially after having two right re-signings or, or Allie Prysock saying that she's going to stay there, which is huge, as you said. And I think Haley May saying with Kansas City, that's one that I – um Was not at all surprised to see, but really happy to see this is a player that, um, I I think did tremendously last year for Kansas City. And she got herself a call up back to the national team. Um, this is it's a great player, but not too many crazy moves and and trades happening, just a little bit of status quo. But we wanted to keep everyone updated
1: for sure, yeah, for sure. Excited to see who the Dash are going to be bringing into uh, the head coaching position. And I'm sure you know, putting in the Kind of the announcement on the radar, I'm sure has you know folks sort of speculating about who it could be or who they would like it to be um, in that position. Uh, Ella Massar recently announcing her departure from Kansas City Current as uh, an assistant. I, I'm not too sure if, if she's a candidate in, in this one as well. I know there's a lot. The vetting process is, is going to be so much different now for teams moving forward. So in terms of licensing and and you know head coaches or Candidates who are interested in head coaching positions and what that looks like. Um, I know there are connections, you know, for for Masar with the dash, but not sure if if everything else is is up to par. But we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, we covered Rin Wilkinson and her departure and, and resignation of the Thorns. Did the Dash immediately try to get her into interviews as well? I don't know. We'll see. We'll have the news, uh, you know, coming through this week and eventually get to chat about that. But there's some other things we got to chat about as well on the international side of things. But we're going to do that right after a quick break. This episode
0: is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. I'm in a period of emotional people. us that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian Vision Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox.
1: Life can hurt, but life is sweet.
0: Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.
1: All right, let's keep the holiday spirit moving. Talk about all things soccer. Let's talk about FIFA a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. There was a World Cup that just concluded. Congratulations to Leo Messi and Argentina for lifting the 2022 World Cup. Uh, alongside the buildup to that championship final, FIFA made some pretty big announcements um, or reintroduced some former announcements because some of this news has uh-huh. sort of been out there already, uh, you know, with with FIFA and their future plans. But basically saying that the Women's World Cup that is going to take place in 2027 and 2031, the hosts for those two World Cup events are going to be decided in 2024, and 2025, and just reiterating the expansion of Olympic women's teams from 12 to 16, that that is something that they are still looking into and also introducing some other tournaments along the way.
2: Yeah, FIFA coming out with a number of announcements. Um, they they said that they were going to have two new women's football tournaments, one of them being the Women's Football Futsal, excuse me, Women's Futsal World Cup, and also a Club World Cup, which there have been rumors about this before the Club World Cup, um, and they've resurfaced from FIFA about what they're going to do, but there hasn't been any definite plans set in place. But um, one thing about the Club World Cup that I think is kind of cool is that it's the only way for a club team to be able to say I am the best in the world because once you win your league, there's nowhere else to go, right? Like that's it. That's the epitome. And because soccer is such a world sport, there's no way to determine um, because there's no like a world champions league, right? World Club World Cup. Um, that's something that I think would be interesting and kind of cool, but it's also like, I just, I don't even know if it's going to happen. Right. We've heard <laughs> before. It's
1: it's like, they're giving us the ring around at this yeah. point. What do you think? Do you, do you want a club World Cup? hundred percent. I'm team club World Cup. I think we've wanted to see that on the women's side for, for quite some time. No. Um, especially, you know, especially in, in this era in which we're looking at women's pro leagues and their longevity. They're, they're still very, very, very young leagues when you're comparing it to some, you know, brands and teams and, and leagues that have been around for many years, right? But we're looking at different professional leagues, whether it's NWL Women's Super League, even, you know, Women's A-League, um, leagues that have been around for a decade plus now. In combination with 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 leagues that are maybe a, a bit younger, you know, or like a like a league like you know Liga MX Um so I'm I'm here for it. I would love to see it, but I think at this point, whenever these types of announcements sort of mm-hmm. brought into the 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 big landscape, I mean, look, it was it was the president Fantino, you know, reiterated these things in a week in the buildup to uh, a world cup final. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have a lot of substance. It didn't have a lot of planning within it. It's just a president on a podium saying, and then this, and then that, and how about this as well? And that's great. You know, there's a, there's a lot of us out here that would love that stuff and love to see it. But what's, what's the plan? What's the course of action? What's the infrastructure? What's the resource? What, what does all of that look like? So Um, yeah, I would love that. Would love a club world cup. I I think, you know, we've, we've covered, you know, women's ICC, we've covered the women's cup over the last couple of years. Now, I think even those very small kind of round robin esque style type of tournaments already show that there's a huge interest in, in having a bigger version of that, um, and I, I, I remember when we covered Women's Cup, we were so excited that they even expanded it. You know, know. four teams to six teams we were like, oh, this is very cool, very exciting. Um, so I think the enthusiasm is there and the teams are there, right? Yeah. The clubs, the franchises are there. The leagues are there in which to pull these teams from. Um, and I think that's the, the equally frustrating part of it. It's like the stuff is there, like Let's get to planning and let's get to you know hashing all this out. So um we'll see. I think I think it's exciting to have the you know, the deadline on things in terms of hosts, the host city Right. I host agree. Conditions. You know, it's like who's going to be the host for the twenty twenty seven and twenty thirty one world cups, you know, we're gonna find out in the next couple of years. It's like so, crazy to think about twenty thirty one. I know twenty twenty three and like it's- weeks where sure, i know it's wild to think about but also exciting i'm, I'm curious to see like who's going to put together their bid and what that's going to look like are we going to continue um you know are we going to continue to see this kind of trend of you know co-nations teaming up and, and putting together bids you know uh, it was primarily going to be australia as their bid and then new zealand was involved and it was a great pitch for two co-hosting nations mm-hmm. for this upcoming world cup. I mean the 2026 world cup is going to be a trio of nations. It's going to be a North American world cup. So primary games are primarily going to be in the United States. Yeah. Um There's two host cities in, in Canada, three host cities in, in Mexico. So what is 2027 and 2023 going to look like for, for the women's world cup? Um, I know Colombia. um, they had a very strong bid for the 2023 yeah. world cup as well i you know i would love to see colombia back in the mix for this as well i would love to see uh, a women's world cup hosted in in a latin american nation um so i'm i'm excited to for us to sort of cover that in, in the next coming years as well
2: Yeah, I think it's super exciting, and the fact that they already told us we're going to find out in 2024 and 2025 for 27 and 31, like, the planning can start, and that's something that um, nations need time, right, to be able to plan and to be able to build structures that they need or organize what's going to happen. Uh, But you're right, I mean, this is the first step, that they're making these announcements, Um, it is the first step in getting some answers and and maybe we'll hear some of the bids that come out and we'll we'll find out by 2024 that way, then like plans can already be put into place, right? We, We can continue to move forward, especially coming off the very end of the World Cup in 2023, we should be deciding the next one and understanding what's going on from there. I mean, it's a great opportunity for so many different nations to do this. And for the Club World Cup, We'll see. Fingers crossed on my behalf, but who knows?
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, U.S. Soccer making some announcements of their own year, uh, end-of-the-year awards getting announced. Uh, Let's take a look at the nominees for U.S. Soccer Young Female Player of the Year. Onyeka Gamero, Riley Jackson, Olivia Moultrie, Jaden Shaw, Alyssa Thompson amongst the nominees for this one. Who's standing out for you, Lisa? Uh, this one's tricky. I mean, these are just incredible, incredible athletes. You look at
2: Gamero, 16-year-old forward, Jackson, um, also incredibly young. We For people that are, are in the... The world of NWSL, you know Olivia Moultrie. She plays at Portland Thorns. Jaden Shaw, she went through um, a a process this year to get into the league and be a professional athlete at her age. Uh, She ends up – she was training with Washington Spear for a long time and ended up going to San Diego Wave. And then Alyssa Thompson, who plays on a U-17 boys team, she got her first international senior cap with the U.S. Women's Mm -hmm. National Team this year. Um, I mean, these players are fantastic. I think someone like Jaden Shaw, though, it stands out to me a little bit more with what she's been able to do um, professionally in the professional league and kind of breaking that boundary uh to get into the league and and play with a team and then she scores a goal in her first match that she plays with san diego i think that was pretty impressive and then on the international side of things like she contributed a lot to to the what the u.s world cup was doing um they didn't have the best run that maybe they wanted this year but i I think shaw stands out to me the most uh, out of these five players
1: yeah i'm I'm with you listen moultrie part of that you know, NWCL Championship winning Portland Thornside, um, Jaden Shaw getting all the way to the semifinals with with the Wave. I'm, I'm with you. I feel like there's a lot of competition um, yeah. in this one, whereas maybe before in the past there was a little bit of a, of a breakaway kind of uh, candidate amongst the nominees. I don't know if that's necessarily the case for this year's I version. I think there's a lot of strong candidates here for Young Player of the Year. Let's talk about the nominees that they put out for Female Player of the Year in terms of the senior women's national team, it's Alex Morgan, Rose Lavelle, Lindsay Horan, Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith. You surprised by any of these names listed here or they all sort of seem like the the right nominees for you? I'm not at all surprised by by these five
2: players. I think that some of them maybe stand out a little bit more than others. Um I think if you looked at just the beginning of 2022, uh, you'd be a little surprised to see Alex Morgan on that list because um, she wasn't really back into the mix until the the middle of last year or of this year of 2022. But she's a player that to the occasion for U.S. soccer and and what she wanted to do for them. Um, No, not surprised at any of these. I also don't think there's anyone like entirely left off that I'm like, you need to be on this list, right? I think – for me, these five are good. When you have to pick five, I go with them. Um, but th- my winner clear and obvious Sophia Smith, I think Sophia Smith deserves this hands down with the 11 goals that she scored this year for us soccer, the run she went on in domestic play with the NWSL winning league MVP championship. Um, and then winning the title game MVP. It, it's Smith. There's no question mark about it. That's why I'm like, yeah, look yeah. at Lindsay Horan. That's yeah. <laughs> fine. Look at Rose Lavelle. They had a great year, but like uh, to me, they're not even in the running. I think you could, I think I could see some people making arguments for Alex Morgan to, to be this type of player. Um, I also think Mallory Pugh with the assist that she put up this year for us soccer, she, people could make arguments for her, but it's clear and obvious winner to me is Sophia Smith.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's funny to go from the the young player nominees yeah. to just the player nominees and the energy is like, wow, there's a lot of great candidates here. Who's it going to go to in, in the young player uh, category? And then we get to this one and we're both like, no, there's a clear answer here. I mean,
2: Sophia Smith <laughs> would like kind of be
1: a young player too. She's
2: also like... So young. Give her both. Yeah, <laughs> give her, her both, either. frankly.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think uh, you're looking at the nominees for this one. And, and like I said, there is a clear answer. And the answer is Sophia Smith. I think, yes, you can make a case for, for Mallory Pugh. I would anticipate that maybe if those are the top two. Um, but it's, uh, it's Smith all the way. I think if you want to include things like um, club performance, you could but again this is us wow. soccer so we're just looking yeah. at national team performance um and it's still smith i think for both for both you and i uh we will see how the votes shake out for those two categories and see uh you know which which uh of the candidates get the award for for both categories so listen everybody if you joined us in the Later stage of this episode, the second half after the break, I want to remind you that we have been nominated for an award. It's our third time being nominated in 2022. We're quite excited about it. The signal awards for best episode. We are thrilled to have the support. So please, if you can continue that support and click on the link in the episode description or use a QR code on the screen to vote for us, we would really, really, really appreciate it. It would be a great holiday gift. Wink, wink, nod, nod for your favorite uh, co-host out there. We're so happy that you joined us today live this morning on A3. Thank you so much for listening. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too. So here's your reminder: if you subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live, YouTube.com/slash Attacking Third. Vote, 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 vote for A3 for the best episode in the Signal Awards for Sandra and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Third.
0: ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This
2: is getting exciting.
0: Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.